Hi, my name is Arnoud Albersberg. I'm the co-founder and chief mosquito officer of the Travel Health Group with the brand Care Plus. I'm your host today in our second podcast we're launching today in our Travel Health series. Our first podcast was dedicated to malaria in honor of World Malaria Day and our own participation in the fight against malaria. As we believe in safe travels and great stories, which is our mission, we will dedicate this episode to the impact of COVID-19 or Corona on the future of traveling. In what way can we reimagine what tourism will look like post-COVID-19? What will happen? Will we travel? Will we travel far and often or will it all change? We have invited three expert guests to get more insights on this. Our first guest will be Isabel Mosk. We will dive into the impact on domestic travel in the Netherlands post-corona. Our second guest will be Larry Goodyear, a professor of pharmacy practice and travel health expert for over 35 years. And our third and last guest will be Anna Pollock, fighting the sustainable travel all her life. The Care Plus Podcast by Travel Health Group with your host, Arnoud Albersberg. So hello, uh, Isabel uh, Mosk. Uh, welcome in our second Travel Health Podcast by Care Plus. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So how are you doing today? I'm fine. I mean, the weather is nice. The sun is shining, so I'm okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, we've known each other for, for quite a while now, but uh, please introduce you to our listeners. Uh, who is Isabel Mosk? So, yeah, so my name is Isabel and I work as a tourism strategist for uh, quite some destination marketing organizations or mm -hmm. provinces or municipalities. And I always say that I like to help them to do the marketing in the era we live in. So it's a lot about technology and um, how to market your destination uh, in these times. Yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, we live in a, a strange, uh, a unique period. I think it's uh, at least uh, the both of us have never experienced anything like this. Um, how how do you see now? Uh, countries are sort of getting out of their lockdowns uh, step by step. How, how do you see travel uh, locally or internationally starting up again? So let me first say that I'm not a fortune teller <laughs> and it's quite uncertain since since almost all European borders are still closed for yes. non-essential travel. So what you see is that a number of European countries, they want to they want to open slowly again because some of them are really dependent on tourists. Yeah, like Spain, uh, for example, yeah. like Spain or Italy or Greece. Uh, but it's still quite unsure. So it's it's really difficult sometimes in this period to forecast or to talk about trends and developments hmm. because things can change within one or two weeks. I've seen researchers uh, publishing like uh, 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 estimates about uh, uh, how many, let's say, how many Dutch people want to travel abroad in the next couple of months. But yeah. this can change slowly within a week already. 
and that makes it very difficult now for I think for the travel industry uh, uh, to react or to respond or how to deal with this situation. Yeah, so so I understand that uh, from from the regulatory uh, point of view, there might be limitations or not. But do you, uh, what are your thoughts on 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 us on on the consumer? And uh, normally, you maybe go once on a holiday, maybe twice. Uh, you like to travel. You travel far. What do you think that yeah. will, that will change now after all this? Well, if if let, let, let's say it like this, if somebody if somebody asked me, so okay, Isabel, what if you would recommend me uh, to make a decision about my trip? What, what should I do? Stay, mm -hmm. Should I stay in my own country, or should I uh, take the guests and and, and and travel abroad? Then I I advise most of them just to stay to stay at home, or or to travel more locally at the moment because if, if there's still no vaccine. You know, things can change rapidly. I mean, maybe uh, some countries will open up again, mm -hmm. but depending on all the different situations, it could also mean that in within two or three weeks, things might might, might change. So, if you wanna uh, uh, be sure of your of your of your holiday, then I would advise to to stay yeah to stay in your own country or to travel within within uh, in neighboring countries when that when that is possible. And yeah. if that is possible, yeah, because uh, you see also in the in the media that uh, that is actually promoted uh, to support your local, yeah, restaurants, hotels, and campings. So is is uh, is that also a, a thing we should do that we stick to our yeah, own yeah. country? Yeah, especially because I think the travel industry—it doesn't matter if it's inbound or outbound. I mean, they struggle a lot. Mm -hmm. So what you can do, what you can do now, like you're mentioning, is that you can really support the local economy or or, or your or your economy in your province to to stay at home, mm -hmm. and and to travel to places and nearby. And I think for I mean for a lot of Dutch people especially, um, I think like traveling in your own country is also an adventure on itself. I think yeah. sometimes people underestimate their own country. I mean, if you look at the Netherlands, it's such a diverse country. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. W with a lot of culture, history, heritage, uh, national parks. Yeah. And if you really want to contribute to the local communities, then I would advise to really, um, yeah, to, to stay at home or, or, or to, to, to explore your own country and support the local, uh, the local um, uh, industry. Yeah. So, and I saw one of uh, one of the Dutch tour operators that they were promoting Corona-proof holiday destinations. What is that? Yes, I've seen that. So, well, I think they promoted it, but I think they they I haven't. I think they already um, uh, changed it a bit. Yeah. And um, it means that you could go to a certain resort. And then you would get, I think, already being, you would be tested before you go on board of an airplane. Yeah. And then with the whole group, you would go to the same resort. You would be tested at the resort again, and you would stay and stick at the resort for the, mm. for, for the, time, the time of your holiday. But for me, as an adventurous traveler, that's not really a, a holiday, or it doesn't really feel like a holiday, mm -hmm. because you're being... You're sticked 
at a resort for, yeah. for maybe one or two weeks. So it's, a, it's, a, it's and, like a prison with a buffet. Yeah, and, and what <laughs> if one, yes, yes, and, and what if one person, you know, ha, has 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 COVID? You yeah. don't know that yeah. because you, you know, everybody sees it two weeks after most of the times or notices it two yeah. weeks after. So okay. I, I think that's a tricky one. Yeah, so uh, what we did um, uh, earlier uh, this week, we did a little poll on uh, one of the social uh, networks where we asked our uh, audience, uh, is, uh, let's say it's over. Huh? So so mm -hmm. we fixed it, there's a vaccine. Will uh, traveling in the future change? And it was uh, quite surprising to me that 92% said yes. So how do you see that so given the fact that uh, we're out of this uh, we fixed it yeah, and, and yeah do you think that people will behave differently or plan differently or allocate their well their budgets uh, or anything differently uh -huh. i think it also depends how long it will take when we get the vaccine so let's say it will take two years then at a certain moment we are really used to live in this new reality. Mm -hmm. So let's say things like hygiene, uh, social distance are more common than are more adapted. Yeah. So then it probably has more impact than let's say maybe the vaccine is already here within two months. Or let's say, I don't, I don't know if that's a reality because if you read the news, it's not. Mm -hmm. So I think it, 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 it depends on a lot of factors. But I do think maybe at the beginning it will change. And slowly, slowly, depending also uh, what, what politics decides to do, how they want to deal with tourism on the long run, mm -hmm. um, uh, I think that has a, has, a, has a more impact on how, how consumers will travel. Because we always, like, let's say we always talk about that uh, within travel, we want, we want a balance between economics social and social uh, communities, local communities and mm -hmm. sustainability. Yes. But sometimes uh, uh, I think that the, 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 the politics has to set the rules for it so that the consumers um, can, can behave and can act to it as well. Because okay. if, you look at, if you look at the history and you look at 9-11 and you look at SARS, then at the end... Travel was growing rapidly yeah. and people were, you know, consuming most of it. And it was more focused on economics. So it, it also has a lot to do what, what I think, uh, uh, um, yeah, the, the, the politics or the ministries of tourism or, or uh, um, um, decide how okay. they want to deal with tourism. Yeah, interesting. Uh, one of our uh, speakers later in the podcast, uh, Anna Pollock, she will definitely uh, dive into this uh, more deeply, I guess. Yes, yeah. And um, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you uh, for your uh, yeah your thoughts and contribution uh, today. Um, so my takeaway is uh, stay home and enjoy uh, your own country. And um, yeah. With not a lot yeah. of not a lot of mosquitoes, I hope. No, and I mean, I mean, the Netherlands has a lot to offer at per square meter, which makes the country unique. And I think yeah. it's not only the Netherlands, but even like if you're 
if if you're an Italian, I think Italy has a lot to offer. If you're a Belgian, Belgium has a lot to offer. Yeah. And I, I can imagine if it, it would be possible that neighboring countries would also travel within uh, that travel within certain borders is possible, mm-hmm. because that also helps some countries yeah. who are really dependent on tourism. But I wouldn't open it up completely right away because I think, that, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Thank you very much, Isabel, and uh, hope to speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Care Plus Podcast by Travel Health Group. So uh, I'm, I'm going to welcome uh, our second guest in the, the second Travel Health Podcast by Care Plus, and. Um, that's Larry Goodyear, professor in pharmacy practice and a travel health expert for over 30 years, I guess. But uh, Larry, uh, maybe you can introduce yourself. Yeah, okay. As you say, Arnold, uh, I'm a professor of pharmacy practice at Montfort University, and I've been involved in travel medicine kind of almost since the word was invented, it seems, in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, I've been, been a long time. Uh, for many years, uh, I was the yeah, one directors of no, Nomad, which is a big uh, travel clinic uh, organization in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, uh, happy to be here today. And to, I've known Arnold for 30 years nearly as well. So, yeah, yeah, I realized that that uh, we go uh, back, I think, until 1994 or something. So that's a yeah, lo- yeah. long time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so you were explaining that you uh, are involved uh, besides your uh, university work uh, in, in in travel clinics. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, w- what your role is there? Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I was uh, Nomad um, uh, director. Um, so, you know looks after clinics um, as well as the pharmacy there we have a, a, a bespoke uh, travel pharmacy which specializes in medical kits and, and we also look after a lot of uh, NGOs and big organizations like that um, in terms of travel and expeditions mm. okay. um, my um, uh, my I, I'm now consultant sort of retired a little bit from that and a more consultative basis with them sure. um, uh, my kind of my major research interest mm-hmm. uh, in terms of travel is in the area of insect repellent. So I've been pretty active in that field of, of research. Also, other things concerning medical kits for travellers, water purification, um, pharmacies, delivered travel health services. There's a kind of a, a range of stuff that I've been involved in over the years uh, in terms of my research and writing textbooks and the articles and so on yeah so so that's uh, interesting w- uh, what you mentioned because uh, it, yeah before uh, this all happened this uh, covid-19 uh, era uh, when people uh, were planning their trips to more remote or uh, yeah, long haul destinations with a different uh, set of hygiene and health risks uh, you mentioned yeah. uh, that that people should uh, get some uh, uh, well, preventive products that could help, but also the vaccinations yeah. uh, because you're involved in uh, in the travel clinics, immunizations. Yeah. Um, how, how how do you see that in relation to COVID nineteen and, and and the perception by travelers? Because what what I found out and what we researched in the Netherlands uh, more than once is that although sort of everybody more or less knows that there are different health risks in in their 
uh, holiday destination that they are not always taking the precautions. Uh, in the Netherlands, I think it's only 45% and the rest just goes without malaria tablets, without vaccinations. How do, how, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's true. And, that, and, that, and there's a lot of research behind uh, travelers not being prepared uh, for going overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can. Shall I talk a little bit about how I see things um, with COVID and kind of the immediate um, situation, you know, medium term, short term situation in terms of travel and, and being prepared, and maybe some thoughts about longer term? Is that is that? Yeah, kind of that would, I think that would be really interesting because. I can I, I can imagine that the perception on health and maybe the combination with traveling will change now with the, the consumer. Yeah. yeah, I think it will. So, okay. uh, I mean, I think um, and and others, you know, talk. Uh, I think that you're talking to are more knowledgeable than me. But you know, I I I think all most of us agree that in the short to medium term, uh, travel. Uh, overseas is going to be greatly curtailed for, uh, you know, a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, and and if we think about it in in kind of two stages, uh, the the immediate thing that's going to happen, and it's happening now before we have any kind of vaccine, and then what the world might look like when we perhaps do have a vaccine against COVID, because I think they're they're a bit they're, they're distinct and have different implications for health and travel. Um, starting on the immediate um, I- issues, yeah. uh, for those of us who are traveling, uh, and there will still be people, of course, who, who, who do travel overseas uh, and overseas outside of Europe, you know, long haul, certainly after the summer, however limited that might be. Um, I think the major concern for them is going to be the country regulations of where they're traveling to. Uh, and also, of course, the regulations uh, in terms of returning home again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think the health regulations, there's going to be, there's three things in various combinations which are going to be very challenging for people. This will be the issue of quarantine on arrival, okay? Mm. So some countries will have quarantine for different periods of time, others will not, and, and that will vary. Um, there'll be an issue about testing uh, for COVID prior to arrival, so there's lots of countries now already saying you've got to have this or that type of certificate before you arrive, and this or that type of test before you arrive, and of course an antibody passports and all that sort of thing yep. are being discussed. Um, but of course what what there is no WHO certificate for travel with COVID, so you know, what are they going to accept? What kind of medical certificates are they going to be acceptable? Who signs it? Yeah. So there's all there's all these kinds of things. Uh, each country is going to probably have their own policies, and it's and what is going to be the challenge for the traveller is identifying uh, what is needed exactly and what they're going into before they start, they 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 uh, travel. Um, in my experience, I've been working for a long time yeah. in terms of what are the regulations go overseas concerning carrying different types of medication for your own personal use mm-hmm. um and, and and this is sometimes hit the headlines you know when people have got into trouble and uh, and been thrown into prison and so on you know for carrying various um medicine medication that, that's not allowed 
Um, and the regulations for each country are very individual, very hard to identify. Yeah. And I've been working on databases for a little while uh, to try and clarify the situation. Well, this is going to apply exactly the same to COVID. And yeah. I think it's going to be the pressure preventing people from traveling. Um, and it's going to be the major uh, kind of health consideration, I think, uh, in the medium to short term. Yeah. Is, 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 is that a clear explanation? Do you want to, I can go on to the medium, my thoughts on medium long term, but what, what do you think, Arnold? Is that right? Yeah, or? yeah well, th this is a very interesting uh, thought. I, I was just uh, the question that popped up in my mind. How, let's say, hypothetically, uh, we have this vaccine at hand. Uh, for COVID-19, whenever that will be. Um, uh, what will happen then, in your view? Uh, so so we, fi we fixed the problem, basically. Okay, so that this is the view, I think, you know, leading up, up to going, and I think in the short term, the mm -hmm. major travel outside of Europe are going to be these, you know, people who have tr critical mission to accomplish, you know, NGOs and that sort of thing, some business travelers, but not, not mass tourism no. by any means. But let's no. think about the vaccines then. So I've got a few thoughts about that okay. that uh, I'd like to share. Yeah, um, great. So let, let, let me go through that. Um, and I, I think uh, at this stage, there are, there are too many unknowns, even when we have an effective vaccine. In other words, that's, that's supposing even if in October, by some by miracle, we, we have a, a vaccine that produces anti-active and active antibodies, yeah, That's yeah, what we know as a certain code. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Um, but let's say that happens. There, there are a number of questions that are going to affect travellers and their concerns. Uh, e even uh, we have that vaccine, and I and really for some years after that, so. The things to watch for are these and to think about when a, when a vaccine does emerge. The first one, a, a kind of on a positive side perhaps, is whatever vaccine we produce, mm -hmm. does it induce any sort of immune memory? You know, that means that if, even when the antibody titers fall, which we know they, they, they may well do very quite rapidly with, with the vaccine, we don't know what's going to come, but mm -hmm. they're supposed to do fall. Will sure. re-exposure, as we know happens with certain vaccines, result in immune stimulation and therefore protection? Yes. That would be a great outcome. But, the, the, and that would be a good outcome, but as even with vaccines we have today, we don't, we're not actually confident about the immune memory because people mm -hmm. simply haven't been having them for long enough to answer that question. You know, the example, it took many, many years, even with maybe <laughs> years after yellow fever, 100 years after yellow fever vaccine came out, yeah. before we decided you actually had lifelong protection. So this question will remain unanswered. Yes. So, 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 so not solving everything when we have the vaccine, actually. So it will be even after yeah. that a long time of... Long sort time of before we actually know what it, what it does. So that's one question. The second question is... Um, how effective is the vaccine in the immunosuppressed and the elderly? Because anything that's, that's uh, released rapidly mm -hmm. will not have had extensive testing on the elderly and immunosuppressed, mm -hmm. simply because that's not the bulk of the population. Well, these are the people, very people you want to protect. So, and we know that response to any vaccine we've produced to date 
in those groups uh, can be much poorer than in the younger groups. And again, we won't really be confident about the answer to that for some years after mm -hmm. the vaccine's actually produced. So this is another unanswered question. Yes. Then there is the really big one, the really big one to look out for is this question of mutations and development of other uh, what we call serotypes of COVID, yes? Um, when the vaccine's produced, it's likely to be effective against whatever is the major circulating serotype, maybe less against others. Mm. So do we need to produce other vaccines um, each, uh, or, or modify the vaccine regularly? Like, like, the, like the influenza like, vaccine, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Now, it's not. It's not. It could not. It might not be totally bad because sometimes you get what's called cross sensitivity. So, mm. if you produced a, a vaccine against one COVID type, it may well be effective against another that emerges, yep. uh, and that might be the case. Emergent um, mutations and, and other forms may be less uh, pathogenic than the one that's circulating, which is good, or there may be more pathogenic yeah. against the ones, which is bad. Absolutely. So, so we've got all of these um, all of these unknowns, even when the vaccine's produced. Yeah. Um, and certainly for the elderly and other groups, I think there'll be a, a, a matter of reinforcing doses, certainly before travel. Mm. And it, when, as, as this this emerges, then there will be, and if there is a vaccine. Of course, there will be some countries that have good vaccine coverage and a kind of a herd immunity, and there will be other countries, as we know, who with poorer public health systems that can't uh, give a good coverage for COVID. So even though you may well, um, you know, be protected at home, yeah, because yeah. everyone's had that. Vaccine. When you go overseas, you will again uh, be exposed, and we can't have the situation that we do with influenza, where when we're traveling um, south in the, into the southern hemisphere from the northern hemisphere, mm -hmm. we're having their flu season, but we can't obtain the vaccine here to protect them, and we certainly can't obtain the southern hemisphere vaccine, and we don't want to be in that situation. So oh. wow. there's lots of... Uh, vaccination considerations yeah that's super complex yeah super complex and my final point is and i think others have, will bear this out is that with all this uncertainty and with all the other things and the fear of traveling and, and whatever whatever i predict that um uh well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not always right you know but, mm -hmm. but i'm okay my best that's okay <laughs> i may be totally wrong about this but uh my feeling is that um, in the medium, even the medium to longer term, uh, long when people are undertaking long haul travel, um, particularly to you know places like um, sub-Saharan Africa and from Europe, I'm talking about and uh, South America and uh, Southeast yep. Asia, this will be longer term because they'll have to consider any quarantine and other restrictions and flights will be more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. So people will be going longer term uh, for tourism, taking a longer time off, yes. And my final point is that 
being um, resident in these countries, perhaps not just for a few weeks, but for months where they, where they have this kind of long break, increases their exposure to other endemic diseases and yeah. issues. Hmm. So we will actually have to be more, uh, you know, there will have to be more consideration to travel health by people like us um, and making sure that, you know, there is a good uptake of advice, vaccines and other preparations uh, for this group of people, even more so than we did for the, um, you know, for the, the market we were generally dealing with before. Yeah. So that, that's that's my uh, little... Yeah, uh, well... That that's very uh, interesting, Larry, and you gave us uh, something to think about, and okay. uh, super complex. And but uh, I think um, really interesting, and I, I thank you for your contribution. Yeah. And um, yeah, our next guest, Anna Pollock, uh, she will uh, dive more into the yeah the the conscious travel uh, impact. You know, uh, will people think differently about? you know, going away every year and uh, mass tourism, etc. So that would would be a nice uh, finish of our second podcast. Thank you very much, Larry. And, uh, well, take care. And you want me to sign off now, yeah? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, <laughs> nice, to meet, nice to talk to you again. Care Plus by Travel Health Group. Okay, well... We're ready to announce our third uh, special guest in our second Travel Health podcast for Care Plus, Anna Pollock. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be on your podcast. Yeah, well, and tell a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, what you're doing right now. Okay. Um, well, I'm often described as a veteran of the travel industry. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> which is, um, I suppose, a compliment. I've certainly been working in tourism since the 1970s, mostly as a consultant, um, uh -huh. researcher, analyst, futurist, um, working with destinations primarily. Okay. I started my career in uh, British Columbia, Canada, when I'd emigrated there. I returned back to Europe in the 90s, and I've been based here ever since, but I, I tend to work internationally. Mm -hmm. And I formed this um, concept of conscious travel uh, in response to a previous crisis, the global financial crisis, back in 2009. Okay. And I'm interested in how um, consumers were responding to that particular crisis. And uh, that led me to look really at the major shifts that were taking place um, in all arenas of activity. And um, I've continued with conscious travel, but really focusing now on the next big trend, which is regenerative tourism. Okay. Yeah, really interesting. And uh, wow, since the 70s, you have a, a bunch of experience then. So um, let me just uh, recap the first two guests we had. Uh, so Isabel Mosk was uh, focusing more on yeah, the impact of COVID-19 and travel and her takeaway was, well, as long as everything is uncertain, enjoy your own country and everything you can do there on a cultural level and on an activity level. And our second guest, Larry, Professor Larry Goodyear, he, uh, he really dived into the um, potential vaccine development, but that even that will not solve the problem and that we have to have a different look on 
especially long haul travel to uh, sort of risk destinations, but also to yeah, destinations in general, maybe. So I'm, I'm really curious um, how you see the, the current uh, COVID uh, pandemic situation, which may be on its uh, return, hopefully, and how that maybe helps or will change the behavior of mass tourism or tourism in general? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, I think COVID-19, the pandemic, has been the wake-up call that uh, humanity basically needed to okay. really take a pretty harsh look at uh, the systems it's been operating with over the last 50, 70 years. Um, in my view, uh, mm -hmm. the pandemic uh, is a human-caused phenomenon um, due to the way that we've been treating the land, mm -hmm. uh, deforestation, causing wild animals much closer proximity to humans, enabling these viruses to, to jump from, from one species to another, where they can do a lot of damage. Um, and I don't think that um, in this obsession with the, the war on, on COVID, the war on the virus, the battle that we have to win is reminding us that, in fact, it's something that our behavior uh, caused. Um, we caused our own ill health, and you're in the health business. Um, and I think we all know now that um, we can develop our immunity systems, we can take precautions, etc. But yep. ultimately, we won't be healthy as individuals unless we're living on a healthy planet. And unfortunately, we're not. Okay, and uh, so, so what does that mean? How, how should we use this wake-up call then? Well, I'm suggesting, you know, in the tourism industry that we do need to look at whether um, a mass uh, movement of people um, growing at 7% per year with enormous impacts on, on places um, is, is truly sustainable. In fact, that kind of obsession with numbers mm -hmm. um, is, is not sustainable. Um, we have to take a much more holistic and uh, longer term view of the role that tourism can play um, as, as uh, delivering um, a set of far more wider net benefits to the communities in which people travel than just focusing on, on numbers and, and the GDP. So I think we'll see um, travel decline in volume, okay. certainly in the short run. And certainly, Isabel is right. It will have a more domestic, local focus. Mm -hmm. But uh, we need—we are now a globalized economy, so we will find ways of um, getting back to some degree of international travel. But I think, uh, from a from a leisure point of view, um, it's going to be a lot more expensive. There's no doubt about that. At the same time, we have—we are likely to have a recession. So the number of people with the disposable income to travel is unfortunately in the short run, or when I say the medium term, likely not to increase. Okay. So we're going to have to adjust to a shift from volume to quality. And by quality, I mean having a much better, wider range of net benefits to, to the communities that people travel to. Yeah. yeah. A thing that just popped up uh, with the previous SARS and even before that uh, with 9-11 because uh, 
we were really hit by uh, that because all of a sudden after 9-11 everybody sort of panicked and stopped traveling but but what i recall from that period is that i was so surprised how quickly people actually fall into their own uh, their old behavior again and just forget about it and just do the same thing again and if i if i look at the parks in amsterdam here when with the first sunshine you know everybody jumped out and was in the park so Will, will, will this be the real uh, paradigm shift? Um, it, uh, that's the, that is, as the Americans would say, the $64,000 question. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can say that it's going to take a lot longer. Um, uh, secondly, we can observe that maybe bouncing back to where it was before is not desirable because that will simply end up producing... Um, uh, a repeat. We will go. We will continue to do boom and bust for the next foreseeable future. But thirdly, um, the, the, I, I, the reason I'm not saying it will bounce back to what it was is a we're likely to go into a, a global recession of the kind we have not uh, seen before, unless some very positive policies are taken mm. uh, to. You know, the challenge at the moment is most governments are going to be broke. They've just bailed out, given people, uh, you know, rightly, they've done what the best they could, but whether or not they have the resources to to rebuild a different kind of economy is, is still um, to be seen. And whether there's a desire for it to be mm. a new kind of economy is to be seen. But that... Does that imply that actually it's economics again, but now in a negative way that will stop people from uh, repeating their old travel behavior? Well, you know, we're talking about different things. Um, mm. Consumers, um, again, just how much disposable income will be there um, to to travel with the frequency um, yep. that people have become accustomed to. Um, we've had cheap flights, so we could pop over to Nice for a, a weekend, or from from the from the northern, you know, Europe, sure. and it would cost very little. Um, I think that kind of travel was not sustainable before, because the full costs of that travel were never being properly paid for by either society or no. the companies involved. Um, I think travel will literally have to become more mindful mm. uh, that if we are going to travel internationally, um, we will we will have to make it count both for ourselves personally in sense of it's going to cost a lot more of our disposable income. So we're going to make sure we have a really, really good vacation or a holiday. Mm. Uh, I did, so we'll stay a little longer. I would like to think, I like to think we would behave more responsibly in terms of trying to use suppliers that are taking care of the place that they operate in, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, if, if the wake-up call has worked, then I would see destinations become much more aware of their need to manage tourism and not just promote it. Okay, that's, that's very interesting. And um, f from the, the health perspective, uh, do you see any sort of uh, change there? Because I discussed with our previous uh, guest, uh, Professor Larry Goodyear, that... Uh, even before COVID, uh, only half of the people take precautions if they plan a trip at all uh, in, uh, for vaccines and malaria tablets and everything. And he, he thought that this also would help to 
make people more aware of health and think twice about uh, uh, the choices they make? Uh, well, I would hope so. Um, I think there has become a, a vast improvement of the in awareness that mm -hmm. uh, we, we're all connected uh, and our individual actions make a difference to the whole. Um, I also think from a more a mundane point of view that people will be um, will be aware that they need to be taking precautions. Mm. Uh, I'm a little disturbed at the moment looking at some of the videos that hotels are using to promote themselves by totally focusing on safety. You know, a, a, a sort of eight minute long video about <laughs> okay. all of them, they're sanitizing the property. Um, I think this is not uh, I think this is overkill, to be honest. Okay. Uh, you know, we live in a world of microbes and viruses. Um, we've got to learn to live more healthily with that and exactly. develop yeah. develop our immune system. So prevention is ninety percent of the of, of the task we have to focus on. And going traveling, it's not to see this place as unsanitary, but um, as having a different set of microbes, if you like. But yes, I hope it has changed. Yeah, so, so my my last question would be: In an ideal world, how how would you see uh, that people would uh, plan and uh, enjoy their holidays abroad? Well, as I said, um, I, I would hope to see um, travel um, recover in a in the sense of becoming more healthy. That means individuals, as I said. Perhaps traveling a little less frequently, mm -hmm. but also traveling more mindfully, um, certainly being more prepared from a health point of view, not just to avoid um, catching something, if you like, or um, but more importantly, not to contribute to the... Um, the uh, what's the vulnerability of the host population that they're visiting. Um, so much more aware um, that we each affect the welfare of the other. Um, that's yeah. a very general statement, but that's that's an important shift in attitude. Yeah, and maybe not only consume the holiday, but also contribute, uh, give something back. Yeah. Well, I think well, there's a lot of talk about tourism as a force for good, and some of it is just what I call, it's a form of greenwashing, it's a form of self-indulgence, feeling good about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the responsibility actually lies at the destination yep. for um, those agencies responsible for um, promoting tourism to become much more aware of the costs associated with it and making sure that those costs are being properly paid for and mitigated. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that it's not just about um, profit and GDP. It's about ensuring that the traveler, uh, the, the guest, the host, the employee, the company, and each place can flourish as a result of tourism taking place. And that means a much more holistic view than is currently uh, at work. Yeah, and it sounds so logical what you're saying, but uh, it's <laughs> we're a long way... Uh to go. Well, yeah. I've been talking about it for several years, as, as mm. I indicated at the beginning. <laughs> yes, I, don't I know. Logic, common sense are that common. Yeah. Well, Anna, thank you very much for your insights. It was, uh, yeah, really uh, interesting. And I think we all have to talk, think about uh, it twice before we book a little, uh, like I said, a weekend in, uh, in Nice. 
but maybe uh, yeah, prepare for a trip and enjoy it in a yeah in a conscious way. Thank you very much. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Yeah, it was it was a great honor, and I wish you a very nice day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. The Care Plus Podcast by Travel Health Group with your host Arnold Albersberg. Wow, this was a very interesting topic, COVID-19 and the impact of uh, travel towards the future. Uh, I look back on uh, very important uh, messages our guests uh, gave. Isabel Mosk, travel strategist, her takeaway was that we, uh, as long as everything is uh, unsure, we should enjoy locally, enjoy your own country, the cultural uh, aspects of it, and activities you can do most uh, of us uh, never explored everything that your own country has to offer and our second guest professor larry goodyear he elaborated on uh, the impact of uh, the development of a vaccine and what that will mean and uh, the takeaway there is that the uh, the presence of a vaccine will not solve everything because there's so much after vaccines are, are made available uh, what it means for the traveler and also for the yeah the the guest countries and the people living there so that's uh, interesting uh, to know and our last guest Anna Pollock she uh, elaborated on uh, that traveling is for sure not consuming and that maybe this a pandemic situation and also the economic effects that it will have yeah, that people will have less money to spend and think twice on how to spend it that that maybe will uh, reduce the the volume of travelers and that we should look for more the quality of travel respecting the health and well-being of ourselves our travel destination and our planet in general most importantly so that leaves me with uh, thanking you for listening to our second Travel Health podcast. It was about uh, COVID-19 and the impact of travel. We will be uh, back soon with another podcast. And I think we will touch the topic of ticks. You know, these nasty little creatures. Uh, so you ke keep an eye on our uh, Spotify page, Care Plus, and the Apple podcast or uh, in social media. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you or you will hear us next time. And lastly, of course, do subscribe to our podcast so you never miss a next episode. Bye bye.